Good morning and welcome to worship here at Naples United Church of Christ in Naples, Florida. My name is Dawson Taylor and I serve as senior minister. No matter if you're joining us via Facebook Live, live stream, or our podcast, I'm grateful for your presence. I'm so glad that you've joined us this morning. I'm also grateful to have Reverend Dr. Deb Kaiser Cross, our Minister for Congregational Care, back safely here in Florida after her time in California with her family. I just want to remind you that she is self-quarantining, and so she's not with us physically in worship, but I know she's watching this morning. And so, Deb, we're so grateful to have you back safely, and we wish you this last little bit of self-quarantining time in peace and safety, and then we look forward to seeing you again soon. I also want to say words of gratitude to everyone who joined me for our inaugural dialogue with Dawson this past Thursday morning. It was a great time of opportunities to catch people up on where we are as a church in this time of pandemic, this time of summertime, everything that's happening in the life and ministry of this great church. I'm also grateful for the great questions and just time to connect with people. If you missed it, don't forget that it's available on our archive on our website, but also that we'll gather again in September. Um, I'm planning for this to be a monthly event, and so I hope that you'll make plans to join us next month. Again, don't forget we have our virtual gathering place after worship this morning. It will take place immediately following worship. It should be, you'll find a link and a button that you can press to join us uh, after worship. And But if you didn't receive that email or if you can't find it, don't worry. Just give us a call here at the church during worship at 239-261-5469. And one of the staff will be happy to help you out. We'll just need your name, email, and phone number just to verify everything, and we'll be able to send you a link and get you connected. Earlier uh, this summer, Reverend Dr. Deb Kaiser Cross and I had an opportunity to sit down with Richard LeBur, who serves as the Chief Executive Officer of the Harry Chapin Food Bank. If you have seen the local uh, paper or if you've been following the important work of the Harry Chapin Food Bank, their uh, ministry and outreach has just grown exponentially during this time of pandemic. And so we had a great opportunity to visit with Richard. And I want to show you part of our interview with him. Again, the full interview will be available on our website. But here's a glimpse of some of the conversation that we had about the great work that Harry Chapin Food Bank is doing in this time. You know, what really drives our work is the economic impact of what's happening, because hunger for most people is primarily an economic issue. It's a it's an issue of not being able to make your uh, monthly or weekly budget balance uh, and not having enough money left over after you pay your rent and your car payments and the things that you absolutely have to pay um, to be able to keep food on the table. Our distributions in total are, are running about double this year what they were at the same time last year, uh, which is you know, remarkable. Um, so we, we've, you know, it, it just took off uh in late march and early april um and so we've been adopting to that in lots of different ways what gives you hope during this time well you know first of all i i know in my heart of hearts that we will get through this um 
I am, I am optimistic that, you know, this too shall pass. You know, when we come out of this and out the other side, we're going to be different human beings in a different community with some different norms about how we treat one another and how we take care of one another um, and what our calling is to do in community. And so at the end of the day, that's, that's what I'm most optimistic about. Again, I'm so grateful for uh, Richard and the generosity of his time. And as a great reminder to the generosity of this congregation, we gave a grant to the Harry Chapin Food Bank for over $20,000, and that was matched by a community foundation. And so you have had tremendous impact in making a difference since the pandemic began. So I'm grateful for your generosity. I'm grateful for the great work of our Board of Mission and Outreach and for the tremendous impact that the Harry Chapin Food Bank is making. And so in the spirit of that generosity and in the spirit of being a mission-driven congregation, let us join together our hearts and our minds as we prepare for worship this morning. Will you join your hearts with mine in prayer? Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we continue to give you thanks for the gift of this day. And we ask, O oh God, that in this time of worship that you would speak either through me or in spite of me. But that above all else, we would hear with clarity what it is that you say to us this day. All of this we trust and we ask in your many names. Amen. A man once came to a farmer to ask for a job as a hired hand. What can you do? The farmer asked. The man replied very simply, I can sleep when the wind blows. The farmer thought about his strange answer, but he really needed a worker, and so he hired him. Soon after, the farmer went away on a trip. A couple of weeks later, the farmer returned home one night and went to bed, but a storm came up. Winds were blowing and lashing, and the farmer awoke, heard the winds, and remembered the broken barn door, the weak place in the fence, and some ripped wire in the chicken coop. Concerned about his property and his livestock, the farmer got up and went out in the storm to check on them. And what did he find? The barn door, the fence, the chicken coop, they had all been repaired. The animals were safe, and sure enough, the hired hand was sleeping soundly. Then the farmer remembered what he had been told. I can sleep when the wind blows. The hired hand could sleep because he had been prepared for the storm. 
As I approach my seventh anniversary of living here in paradise, I feel as though I am finally learning some of the nuanced ways of preparing for the storms that this time of year brings. For instance, I have three identical umbrellas, one in my car, one in my office, and one at my house. So when those summer rainstorms come up, I have an umbrella to get to no matter where I am, and I just trade them out. And so I always have one available. And when a hurricane or tropical storm watch is issued, what is one of the first things that gets swept off of the grocery store shelves? Bottled water. And so I learned that you can actually just begin stocking up throughout the year and store it in my garage. And so I have cases of bottled water in my garage so that I don't get caught in the last minute run leading up to a storm. There is a powerful story about being prepared for a storm in our scripture reading this morning. The disciples of Jesus didn't have a Doppler radar or 24-hour weather coverage or even an app. They got frightened as they were caught in a storm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. As the disciples are rowing against the wind, scared, tired, frustrated, drained, depleted, Christ comes to them in an incredible way, walking on the water. And isn't it fascinating to note that the presence of Christ is often most visible and most welcome when we are caught in a storm and rowing against the wind. This morning's story is a miracle story as well as a parable story. It deals with the frustration and the helplessness that we sometimes feel. It deals with the struggles of life. It deals with the overwhelming flood of problems that rush in against us and pour down upon us. But it also reminds us that in the difficult moments, in the storms of life, in these moments when we feel that we are about to be overcome and swept under, Jesus shows up in powerful and dramatic ways, bringing help and strength, peace and poise. Remember the context of the story. Jesus has just finished feeding the multitude with the five loaves and the two fish. He sends the crowds away filled, their bodies and their spirits satisfied. But now he must feed himself. Not food for the body, but for his spirit. He sends the disciples ahead by boat to their next de destination while he goes up on a mountain to pray. Now, the disciples are out on the Sea of Galilee without Jesus. The New Testament seems determined to always call this lake a sea. 
Again and again, writers referencing it as the Sea of Galilee, but it really is more of a lake. Only about four and a half miles wide and only some seven miles long, but regardless of its size, it could kick up a large-sized storm, and to this day is still quite treacherous. Winds can quickly come up from nowhere around the hills and stir the waves into a fury and rage and a storm. In such a storm, the lake takes on the threat of a sea, and people on the water have to be very, very careful. Crossing the lake can be a simple venture if the wind is with you and your sails are turned to catch it. But if there is no wind, you have to row. You have to be willing to put every muscle into it. And even then, the task, though not as pleasant as sailing, is manageable enough. However, on this occasion in Matthew's gospel, which we read this morning, the disciples find themselves facing a number of difficult obstacles. It is nighttime, and consequently, visibility is a problem. Secondly, it is cloudy, and because the storm which is brewing, they can't see the stars or follow them, so they're having trouble getting their sense of direction. The wind of the storm is against them, and so their sails are useless. They are rowing against the wind. They are rowing into the face of the storm. They're not getting anywhere, not making much headway. The writer puts it like this, they are being beaten by the waves. There, they are out there in the storm being tossed to and fro, making no progress. They are tired. They are frustrated. They are drained. They are depleted. They are scared to death. They are confused and probably a little more than frustrated at Jesus for sending them out. I mean, can't you hear the conversations that we're probably starting to happen. Where's Jesus now? Where is he when we so desperately need him? We are tired. We are defeated. Are we going to drown? Can you identify with any of this? I don't think I have to tell Southwest Floridians in 2020 about getting caught in storms, do I? The storm can be a named tropical system that makes landfall or threatens to. It could be a virus creating a pandemic for which there is no vaccine or therapeutic treatment. The storm could be when the doctor looks up from their notes and says, the only thing left is hospice. The storm could be the financial ruin of a child who has tried so hard at starting the new business. 
The storm could be the devastating stroke or the debilitating heart attack. The storm could be so many things that happen in our lives and we realize that we are rowing against the wind and we think to ourselves, I think I'm going to sink. So no, I don't have to tell you about getting caught in a storm. Do I? But then watch how the rest of the story plays out. Jesus sees their dilemma and is aware of their plight and goes directly to them. He has been close by all day long, never leaving them, and closer than they realize as he approaches them. Jesus comes to help them. Jesus comes to assure them through the wind, through the storm, the danger, the chaos, the disorder, the disruption. Jesus comes to save them. That is the way Jesus comes to us, is it not? Jesus sometimes shows up when we least expect it and when we most need it. Jesus shows up in the dead of night and in the thick of the storm. When it is darkest, when it is most tumultuous, that is when Jesus is most vivid. Reverend Dr. Hooper Haygood is about to turn 93 years old and lives in a continuing care retirement community in my native Houston. Dr. Haygood is in excellent physical health and in fact took a trip to the Holy Land earlier this year with his daughter and son-in-law before the pandemic struck. Dr. Haygood baptized me over 40 years ago. A few weeks ago, he was walking down the halls of his community to keep active and to stay healthy. When one of his shoes caught on the carpet, causing him to trip and to fall. I fell hard, he told my dad, and I was lying on my stomach in the hall and I couldn't get up. He had broken the fall with his arm to protect his head, but he had struck his knee and lay on the floor immobile. Do you know what happened next? There was a nurse nearby in the hall who knows and recognized Dr. Haygood and came immediately to his aid. But she didn't try to get him up off the floor. 
Instead, she lay down on the floor beside him. She talked to him and asked him questions. She asked him if he knew what day it was and when his birthday is and did he know where he was. I knew all of that, he said. She was trying to see if I hit my head. The nurse laying next to Dr. Haygood spoke to him calmly and lovingly, keeping him calm until others could arrive to help lift him up. You know, that's how I see Jesus walking on water today. I see Jesus as the one that when we fall flat on our face, perhaps more embarrassed than scared, Jesus is the one who lies next to us on the ground and speaks words of care and comfort, words of reassurance and love, until we are able to walk on our own strength once again, until we are able to hold our head high, even if we are caught in a storm.